Welcome back to another Edge Got In podcast. Thank you for pushing that pause button today to Edge Got In to your mind, your will, and those crazy emotions. Perhaps you found yourself hijacked by a strong emotion today. Perhaps you're coming to today's podcast and you're a little agitated about something, feeling frustrated, um, experiencing uh, rumination on the past, wondering why things happen as they do, or needing to know how things turn out in order to feel safe. The end result is suffering. Suffering has many different faces, the mind, the emotions, the body, and the soul. If you haven't already done so, you're welcome to jump in on this podcast. And when you're done listening, please check out the first intro podcast to today's topic, which is don't waste your suffering. With every storm, Jesus comes to. So this is Don't Waste Your Suffering, Part 2. Our learning objective at the end of today's podcast is that you will learn from an extremely powerful personal testimony from someone who gives witness to the power of God through suffering. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to join us today. Sweet Jesus, we invite the Holy Spirit within this conversation. We pray that the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart will be acceptable in your sight for the edification of everyone who's joining today. Suffering is universal. It knows no color. It knows no size. It knows no intensity. And there's no judgment in terms of personal suffering. You know it all, Lord, because you hung on the cross for the sake of salvation of souls, which was the ultimate outcome of suffering. So, Father God, you are in the business to maximize and use suffering for greater good than had the suffering not even taken place. And this is our conversation, Lord. Give us the words to say, to encourage the hearts of people that are listening in to today's podcast. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our mission at Edge God In is to champion your human potential in Christ. It is the voice of emotional intelligence in Christ. And as I mentioned in the previous podcast, we recently launched the six-week study guide in emotional intelligence. You can explore more of that at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. I am joined today by someone I recently met at a Lead Like Jesus board meeting. Doug and I both are on the board of Lead Like Jesus, which is another powerful ministry, Lead Like Jesus. You can also jump on their site. They give daily messages as well as encouragement to empower us to lead like Jesus with our heart, our head, our hands, and our habit at leadlikejesus.com. So please visit them as well. Doug Mazza and I were together for a couple days uh, along with the other board members, and I had the opportunity to hear his story. Literally stopped me in my tracks. And as you know, many of the topics, in fact, probably all the topics, selfishly speaking, are coming from my own experience in earth school. And perhaps they encourage you along your earth school journey with the Lord. Um, Doug shared his story, and I knew I was doing a series on Don't Waste Your Suffering. And so he is the first to be interviewed in this topic, this area, and I'm very excited to have him here. He's actually the former president of Johnny and Friends, 20 years, in fact. And Johnny and Friends is another organization to check out as well. Highly recommend you consider that. Johnny was uh, had a a diving accident at 17, and she was allowed to, by God's grace, transform her suffering into helping thousands and thousands of people globally. 
So Johnny and Friends Organization uh, is an is an excellent nonprofit. Doug Mazza worked uh, as the president at Johnny Friends for 20 years. He also had a corporate life, which I will bring him in to talk about. He was a senior COO of Hyundai, um, corporate officer, top levels. And similar to Peter, um, Jesus had a plan. And so he crashed that party and called him in a different direction. So Doug, thank you so much for being here today. Very grateful to have you, my friend. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much for that nice introduction. Mm, absolutely. Very easy to do. So our topic today is on not wasting your suffering, Doug. So why don't why don't we just start with just your your journey? And I'll often say my BC days before Christ really got a hold of me. Um, <laughs> and just just give listeners who who don't know your story just a brief snapshot at your timeline before Jesus really got a hold of you. Sure. I think uh, um, in my life that you've described as your BC life, I, I grew up as a, uh, a Christian, um, but I was a nominal Christian. I, I, I really didn't understand born again. I believe Jesus was the son of God and that uh, uh, God did whatever it was that uh, he did around the world, but it didn't have a lot to do with me. I was a guy who liked to be in charge. I wanted very much to be a corporate executive and um, after a stint in the army, got into uh, um, uh, corporate life and uh, pretty much achieved what the world considers success. I mean, I I uh, worked very hard to reach uh, the top levels and wound up being the senior American executive at at least two multinational corporations, the last one being Hyundai Motor America, and enjoyed that time very, very much. During that uh, stint, uh, of climbing the corporate ladder, God gave me three wonderful boys, one of whom, the last of whom, was um, born with severe disabilities. Uh, he, was, he was born into extraordinary pain, had 13 brain and skull surgeries his first three years of life, uh, was not supposed to live more than a couple of weeks, but uh, some very courageous doctors and an awful lot of prayer. Uh, he, uh, he continued to survive. And after after th 13 brain surgeries, he eventually just couldn't take it anymore and went into a long-term coma. Uh, and now he is uh, still alive, but he does not speak. Uh, he's never spoken a word. He uh, is blind. He can't sit up in a wheelchair very well without a brace. Um, but he knows my voice and he listens to the word of God as I as I speak it to him and read it to him. And he smiles all the way through it. And Frankly, I'm never closer to God than when I'm with my son, Ryan, and God has taught us an awful lot um, about Jesus, about the world, and our purpose for being here through this experience. There was a time uh, when I asked God, uh, a, a God that I had very little relationship with, I knew enough not to be angry with God, but to ask him, God, I heard that all things work together for the good. I do not see how this could possibly work for the good. The mm. suffering of this little child, the cries of his pain, the seizures that he goes through, the hospitalizations year after year, uh, the torment my family's going through. I cannot comprehend mm. that anything good can come from this. Mm. And you show me. And God has been faithful in that. He said, mm. well, I uh, you will have to participate in that. But yes, I will answer your question. 
And so because this, I'm making this a short story, hmm. <clears throat> eventually um, through some very intimate events with Jesus, uh, I, I gave my life to him and I told him that I would go wherever he asked me to go. And that drew us out of corporate life and into disability ministry, speaking around the country about disability ministry, where I eventually met Johnny Erickson Tata, who invited me to be the president of her company, uh, excuse me, of her ministry in 1999. So that was 20, I was there 20 years mm -hmm. and retired in, in, 20, uh, uh, in, in, in 2019. And so there was 20 glorious years. And the promise I made, Lord, I said, Lord, I will go wherever you ask me to go. I did not know where that meant. But he took me to the plains of Africa, the mountains of Ecuador, the slums of China, and crisscrossed the United States uh, for 20 years. Uh, and it, I met the most extraordinary people that I, you, you can imagine, heroes of the faith. And he gave me opportunities to say what he could do with my son's life. My son, Ryan, is my senior partner in ministry, not my junior partner. He, I work for him. We work for Jesus. And uh, he has taken me all over the world. I, I come back whenever I have a trip and sit down with Ryan and tell him where I've been and where his suffering has sent me. And God has not wasted this young man's suffering, nor has he wasted our family's suffering. And it has turned out to be truly a joyful uh, experience with countless people coming to Christ because of a testimony that includes uh, in, includes what we have been through with, with Ryan and all that Jesus has done for it. And uh, I don't know if your listeners know who Johnny Erickson Tata is, but please um, give please give some um, some context. This is um, a person that is the probably the most extraordinary, mm -hmm. I, probably the most extraordinary person I have met in my life. And I have met I agree several presidents of the United States, cabinet members, Senate members, um, and people who think they're pretty important. But I have never met anyone more impressive than Johnny Erickson Tata, who uh, lives life uh, to the fullest. She is a quadriplegic, has been since 17. Uh, and I won't give you her age now, but um, we've been together for a very long time, and her ministry has been around for more than 40 years. And uh, mm -hmm. There is, uh, I learned so much, so much from Johnny. I owe her, like so many people around the world, I owe her so much. I invite you to look up Johnny Erickson Tata mm -hmm. uh, or Johnny and friends and take a look at the work that she does and the person that, that she is. Absolutely. Uh, one of the people that I have been, I constantly, God constantly introduces me to new people that I am so glad I am meeting that I never would have met without Ryan's suffering. Lauren, you are one of them. And so mm. thank you for having having me here. I'm so impressed um, with meeting you. And uh, the short time we've known one another has been a gift. Mm, thank you, Doug. Well, I, the, the feeling's mutual. And um, that's the one thing of suffering. I remember, as I have described before the shower scene, when I crawled to the shower and I was shaking and could barely stand up after the double mastectomy, losing my hair and all that. And I remember just kind of laughing you know, because that was my prayer since college. Give me a sense of humor, Lord, a spirit of joy and laughter to be able to handle anything. And so I remember literally, as I'm telling this story, just holding onto the ledge of the shower and just laughing. And I said, wow, God, because God knows how much I love education. I go, you're giving me my one degree. 
that will literally take me finally where you want me to go. And that is my PhD in suffering. And so, uh, which, which is the motivation behind doing a series called don't waste your suffering, because this is the archway through which God does his mighty work, starting with the salvation of souls. So Doug, that, that is, uh, everything about Johnny Erickson Tata, um, just to give a little context too, I accepted Christ at 17 and started listening to Christian radio all through, um, my twenties. And I remember hearing these pieces, uh, put forth by Johnny Erickson Tata and um, my dad, his whole company and his whole life was helping people who were physically challenged, people with disabilities. So he would constantly bring me along with him uh, to these huge um, uh, trade shows that he put put on to try to his his business was to help them find employee employment, um, and so it was all part of that that whole movement of equal opportunity. And I just remember the stories that I would hear. And one person in particular, I remember, uh, who was in a wheelchair and, uh, they said, well, disability and, uh, my situation is the one minority group that we're all on the brink of being. And I'll never forget that statement, um, because it resonated with me and just the gift of, uh, being mobile or getting up in the morning. And, and Johnny has incredible clips on YouTube that she inspires the soul. But she also on countless, I think she was on radio, Doug, and you might know this more than me, but more than any other human being, she's, she has infiltrated, uh, radio with these inspirational, uh, clips of encouragement, uh, from her situation as a quadriplegic. And it's been incredibly inspiring to me as well. So, um, very grateful for her life and the fact that you worked for her for, for 20 years and what a witness yes. to Christ. Yeah, she has uh, been inducted into the Christian Radio Hall of Fame mm. some years ago mm. and is still on more than 1,300 outlets, I think, around the country. So. Yeah, doing God's work. Amen. God is, God is uh, flipping, flipping her suffering into his glory because she was willing to go. And that's, that's a huge choice point. He gives us choice. And, and she said, yes. And God never wastes the yes in the midst of suffering. So very, very uh, grateful for the ministry that you've worked for. Doug, I remember you sharing a story, a um, couple different clips from it. The one in particular where I'd like to start is where you're in your, your big fat office, right? And you know, you've made it according to the world's perspective. Uh, you're not lacking anything in that place. And you had met someone that heard you speak and you, and you, you could tell the story in context because you didn't want to share your story about Ryan. And yet finally, there was that moment where God had his way with you. And I believe it was a men's Bible study or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, then there was someone in, in the audience who heard you and said, um, basically, I can get you on tour or something like that. But he went to visit you at your office and then you were driving to this meeting and if you can, if you could share that story first, that was, that was, had a lot sure, of humor, humor in it. <laughs> well, it got, God has a, God has a sense of humor and I, I, I see him, he, he shares his sense of humor with me all the time yeah. and I love it. He, uh, I was at the time, the chief operating officer at Hyundai and had the experience in my corporate life of speaking to very large audiences on the subject of business. But when it came to my son's life, I was unable to talk about it. I literally, it was almost like a PTSD experience. Mm -hmm. I could not share it. 
and I was in a men's group and they had asked me to be the MC because I uh, don't mind stepping to a microphone. So I was given that job. And the men were looking for a speaker and they said, you should give your testimony about your son, Ryan. And I said, oh, no, I can't. I can't talk about that. And this went on three months in a row as we kept meeting and uh, and having a dinner looking for new speakers. And they kept asking me. And and finally, uh, one of the men asked me to pray about it, and which is always taking it to the next level. And I, I did. And uh, I uh, I was in the. Uh, I was in a lower level of maturity back then. My maturing will never end. I am. I don't <laughs> Amen count to myself mature Me. yet. But <laughs> I can certainly see you. what a junior level of maturing I was in at the time. Mm. <laughs> I, I was in the. I was in the deal making with God because I was a deal maker. So I made mm. a deal, and I said, <laughs> "If they call me again, I will say yes, but I'm not calling them, Lord." You know, they, that's a good one. That's a good one. God and loves that. that. <laughs> I think he, I think the Lord chuckled. And of course, because you know what happened three days later, somebody called me and asked me one more time. And I heard myself saying yes. And this was the most, most prepared for speech in the history of speech. Them, you know, this, this <laughs> speaking to 35 men and 35 Christian men in a, a men's group, the biggest softball audience a man could possibly have. And I was just, oh my goodness, I could not. I was having a hard time even practicing this speech. I would get emotional. Mm. But when it was uh, all finished, I felt an extraordinary weight lifted off my shoulders, having shared it with these men, these sympathetic men who prayed with me. And I uh, walked out of there and I said, well, Lord, uh, anything else you need, you give me a call, but I'm all through with that. And that was, <laughs> you know, about 3000 testimonies ago. And so it has another sense of humor. There was one fellow in the audience who happened to work for Prayer Breakfast Network. He was the head of it. And uh, he called me up and said, gee, you ought to uh, go on the road. Would you join our speakers bureau? And I said, no, I don't I, I don't think so. He said, well, I come and talk to you about it. So he came, he came to my office and uh, I, um, he came to my office and he said he was going to give me a, a tryout. And I said, look, you don't understand. I don't need a tryout. I don't even, I haven't even agreed that I want to do this. And I found myself driving across town after having said, yes, I'm cutting the story a bit short to, uh, to a, uh, it was actually called the Polly's Pies. If anybody know what that is, it's a little tiny room at Polly's Pies where practically 15 or 20 people can sit in. And there were eight non-Christian men and eight, eight Christian men who had uh, invited someone. And uh, they had a, a speaker uh, every month. And I was, I was the speaker that month. And he asked me to, uh, he asked me to give an invitation. And uh, so I did that. And he called me that night. And he said, I don't know if you know much about evangelism, but there were eight non-Christians there and uh, four of them came to Christ after you spoke. Oh, wow. And I had never had that experience. Hmm. I literally had to sit down in a chair when he told me that. Hmm. And it was a transformational moment that I remembered that I had asked God to show me what good could come out of Ryan's life? And here I had told the story of our family and what Ryan had been through and how God was using him. And these four men were going to uh, now be born again. And we're going to have an influence on their families. 
and I knew it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with my son's suffering. Mm -hmm. And the answer to that prayer, show me what good can come from this. Mm -hmm. That led to, uh, over time, again, um, making the story shorter, uh, to my wife and I making the decision that maybe God had something more important for us to do than be in the automobile industry. And although we had had what the world would consider success, it had not brought us the joy that, uh, that the work that we were doing for the Lord was bringing us. And so we made the decision to leave corporate life and uh, go into ministry full time. And it was the most extraordinary blessing uh, that I could possibly imagine. I will say that uh, God used um, all of that corporate experience as well that I brought with me. It was uh, what I thought was the most important thing in my life, and that was climbing the corporate ladder. Turned out to be nothing, nothing more than on-the-job training for what God really wanted me to do. And it has kind of faded into the background of not being very important to me at all, other than I'm glad I had the experience. But my real, I, I will say this, I think waking up in the morning and knowing that you're exactly where God wants you to be is as close to heaven as we're going to find this side of heaven. Amen. And I, and that's what, uh, what, what I have had the blessing of experiencing mm -hmm. and knowing that uh, I am where God wants me to be. And this is what I was born for. And, um, without Ryan and without his suffering, uh, I don't know that we ever would have uh, had the experiences that that we had. Mm -hmm. And so he is uh, he's a real hero to me. And I know he's one of God's heroes. He he has uh, he's severely developmentally disabled. He's a young man that's uh, never hated, never complained, never coveted. <laughs> uh, and uh, he just loves. He just mm -hmm. loves. And I'm never closer to God than when I'm when I'm with Ryan. Wow. So that's that's how I got into a ministry and and uh, received the blessings that God had waiting for me, and I'm glad I didn't miss them. And didn't at the time, if I recall, and and I, and I might be wrong on this, but didn't you mention that your your other son had gotten a flyer, and showed up? Oh yes. Um, so at Polly's Pies, he had seen he had seen, he had seen a flyer, <laughs> a 16 year old son, who had never heard my testimony or uh, very, very, very few people had um, showed up. He saw a flyer with my picture on it and he came to Polly's Pies and sat down right in front of me. This little room at Polly's Pies meant that the first row was three feet in front of the podium and that's where he sat. And wow. it was a transformational time for he and I as well. And so God just, he, he, he does just doesn't not waste, waste anything. He, he doesn't, doesn't waste, waste anything. anything. He doesn't nope. waste anything. No, I'm, no, I, I'm, no I'm thinking about the, uh, when, when Jesus fed the 5,000, which was, it was, we know that it was more than that because women and children were counted uh, in that count at the time, but he, he doesn't, didn't waste anything. If you, if you remember 12 basketfuls were picked up, he doesn't waste anything. He, no. he is in the, the God of search and rescue missions. Uh, to maximize God's glory and, and witness of the gospel in this world. So, so your, your story is, is profound with that, my friend. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to move forward here. So after, after you, you, you decided, okay, God is calling me to use all my gifts and talents, toss it into the lap of Jesus for his glory. And so you leave the corporate world uh, in the midst of that, your speaking is increasing 
right? Because suffering yes. is one of the stories that unites us as, as, as a human race. And it passes all uh, gender and color and size and shape and just cuts right to the heart. And Jesus knows that. And so you're sharing your story. Uh, you you kind of got on a, a circuit of of some mega churches, right? Mm -hmm. And yes. there was one church in particular that um, it took like a year to be able to. They had to, they booked in a year in advance. Can you share that story? Because then there was something that came up with your son. I believe the day after. Yeah. And how well, profound that story is. <laughs> well, the. Uh... The interesting uh, and the humbling part about this, I'm now working for Johnny. I'm now working with Johnny Erickson Tata at uh, Johnny and Friends. Uh, it's actually the world's largest disability ministry. Mm -hmm. And everyone wanted Johnny to speak. And so this church really had invited Johnny, who was not able to make it. And so I became the, uh, I called myself but I got a guy. I'm the, but I got a guy, you know? <laughs> so, That's right. It's, it's That's very, right. Very I get that. Yep. Yeah, I totally yeah, get I was, that. Totally get that. Really the Ed McMahon in this, in this couple, you know, <laughs> between John, Johnny and I. <laughs> so, totally get that. Yeah. So, uh, uh, no, I, I can't make it, but, um, uh, but Doug Mazza would, um, <laughs> is available. And of course, after the who's he's got out of the way, they, they agreed to, <laughs> they agreed to have me speak. It was a year in advance. And the, the, this large, this very large church in Fresno was doing a disability outreach to the community. Hmm. And they had agreed that they were going to have a big weekend reaching out because Luke 14, 21 and 23 says, go out to the streets and alleys of the town and bring mm. in the poor and the lame Amen. and the blind. Mm. And then in verse 23, he says, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in mm. so that my house will be full. Mm. And this pastor had just taken that to heart after working with Johnny and friends for a while and decided we were going to have a, a big outreach to the community this, this uh, weekend. Uh, and so a year later, I am on my way to uh, go speak at this church. But unfortunately, what had happened a couple of weeks before that is my son uh, became very ill and my disabled son and needed surgery Monday morning. And now Fresno was, you can't see my hands, but Fresno is four hours to the left, which is to the north. Mm. <laughs> and Orange County is two hours to the to the right, which is to the south. So I'm going in exactly, I'm going to have to go in exactly the opposite, opposite. direction mm. of where I'm supposed, where I think I am supposed to be at my son's bedside the night before this skull surgery. Mm. And I'm thinking, I, gee, I can't, I, I, I can't cancel this. This has been a year in the making. All of the, all of the plans and arrangements have been made in Fresno. Five church services, Saturday night, three on Sunday, and then one on Saturday night, on Sunday night, excuse me, which was the outreach to the community. The church was going to be filled with people with disabilities to have this celebration. And I was the uh, speaker. So I realized, um, I need to go to Fresno and Lorraine and I began driving to Fresno on Saturday, stopped at the office and uh, to pick something up. And Johnny Erickson Tata was there. And I said, Johnny, have you ever spoken where you're just not feeling it in your spirit? Because I am so diverted 
Ryan needs me in the hospital the other way, and I don't even know how I'm going to get from Fresno on Sunday night to Orange County first thing six o'clock in the morning for his surgery. So she said, well, let's let's pray. <laughs> and she had an interesting prayer. It was, Lord, would you show Doug why you want him to be in Fresno at this particular time? We know that you use it all. <laughs> and I was, um, amen. I, I was actually hoping for a little more when you're with your <laughs> but that was it. more. <laughs> that was all I got. Yeah. So, yeah. so we continued out Fresno and uh, they met wonderful people there. And after each service, especially, I know you've had the experience. You're a wonderful public speaker. The people uh, are lovely and want to come down and, and tell you their story or speak to you. And I always enjoy that. But I have to tell you, on Sunday night, I was really hoping that at the end of it, I would be able to say, oh, man, wave to the crowd and, and leave because <laughs> uh, I've got to I've got to get on the road and, yep. and head home. Mm -hmm. But uh, that was not what worked out. God had touched people to come forward and to uh, speak. And they were lovely and wanted prayer. And my wife, Lorraine, was pulling some people out of the line to to have some prayer time with him that she could see that they needed prayer. And uh, there was a, a, a woman in a wheelchair that uh, as she was coming down the aisle, people were stepping out of the aisle in front of her. And I, you know, I'm sure we've all had that experience where you can see something out of the corner of your eye and yep. you're aware of it while you're having a conversation. And uh, she, she never lost her smile. That's, I think, why mm -hmm. I recognized that she just kept smiling and people would step in front of her. Uh, and when she finally came down, she was the last person in the church to speak to. And I sat down in the altar, excuse me, I sat down in the pew. Mm. Uh, and I said, my goodness, you are a very patient lady. And she said, oh, people have been stepping in front of me my whole life. You know, I have cerebral palsy and I was born this way. And and uh, I uh, I don't let it bother me. I know that they, they mean well, but unfortunately people with disabilities can often be invisible. Mm. But I did want to tell you my story. And I'm thinking, oh, my, I hope this is a short story because I really have to go. <laughs> Absolutely. It began with, I was born and I'm, oh, my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to be a short story. It was in her 60s. And uh, she began telling me her story. And some of the details of that story were this. She said, I was I was born in a small town. Uh, in which I could not go to public school, even though there was nothing wrong with my brain, but because I had these physical disabilities, they would not uh, allow me to go to the public school. And I went to where there was actually a mental hospital that had a had a school for for children. And I I went to this. It was the only school I could I could go to. And my father, for years, fought and fought and fought for me to get into the public school. And finally, by the eighth grade. I was allowed to go to the public school. Hmm. And I, this was a three-story wow. public school in, in New Jersey. Hmm. And uh, there had all of the eighth graders, it's an eighth through 12th school. So you can imagine if you're an eighth grader, you're already intimidated. Mm -hmm. Now I'm the only one in the school, that, in the history of the school that's ever been in a wheelchair. Hmm. And so uh, wow. I'm very nervous. And on the first day, uh, the the principal called down a senior who was on the football team and to the to the office and gave him my schedule and said, 
you're in charge of getting her from class to class. Uh, when you need to carry her up the steps, just get somebody to volunteer with you. Just grab someone and have them carry her up. You can leave your class five minutes early so that you can get this young lady to class. Hmm. And she said, over time, I developed, he was my really my only friend in the school. And even though I was nervous, uh, I trusted in the Lord back then. And at the end of each class, I looked out to the little glass panel on the alongside the door. And w- when I would see him standing out there, I would know that everything was going to be okay. Mm. And I listened to this story unfold. And I looked her in the eye, in the face, and I tried to peel back what she must have looked like 40 years ago. And I said to her, Diane, I'm the boy that carried you up the steps. That gets me every time. (laughs) That is profound. Neither one of us could believe it. She looked at me. She didn't recognize me. I didn't recognize her. But as she was telling the story, I'm thinking, oh, when she's done, I'll have to tell her I went to school in New Jersey, too. You know, (laughs) you know, and uh, and then I realized about two thirds of the way through, she was telling me my story. Wow. Our story that she and I had. She began bouncing up and down in her wheelchair (laughs) and we just cried and hugged and uh we went out in front of the church where her friends and a van were waiting for her and we sang praise songs and we had this extraordinary celebration and i can tell you that lorraine and i drove home when the most delightful we could just telling the story over and over again and thinking about all of the applications and how good god is and i thought about johnny's prayer Mm. would you show doug why you want him to be in Fresno. And he had this blessing for me, just to let me know that I was serving him and he was going to take care of my son. Everything's going to be okay. You just go where I've asked you to go. Mm. You just show up on the appointments that you know I've made for you. Mm. And everything is going to be taken care of. Just put your trust in me. Sometimes we hang on to our problems like they're a worn out old shoe. And I, I think... I know I'm 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 guilty of this and I, I try to release them all the time. We we give our problems to the Lord, but we hang on to the tip of the shoelace of that shoe just in case. And God God doesn't want God doesn't want most of the shoe except the, the shoelace. He wants us to let go, palms up, so that we can't hold on to anything. And when we do that, uh, he is faithful one hundred percent of the time. God's promises are promises. They're not maybes. And I have learned that um, the the hard way and through the blessing of smiling through it and re- realizing, as uh, you have said so many times, Lauren, God uses our suffering. He uses it all. He doesn't miss, doesn't miss a thing. And uh, I've known Diane now. We have reconnected. And, um, and by the way, Diane uh, is now an attorney. Uh, oh, that's from, right. From that, from that uh, experience. Wow. And just a um, two little extra factors that show the Lord's participation in this. Hmm. Hmm. This happened to be two weeks, two weeks before my 40th high school reunion. That gives you an idea how old I am. Wow. And 
and uh, and I thought 40 was an interesting, interesting time period as well. <laughs> and she said, please, when you go back, tell everyone how much I appreciate, you know, the fact that I was the, all of those that helped me, all of those that helped carry me and so on. And so I was able to, I was able to carry that back. But as we were driving back and thinking of all the implications, you know, Johnny and Friends has delivered 200,000, over 200,000 wheelchairs mm. to all parts of the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've been to North Korea. I have been to, through Africa, South America, crisscrossing the United States, mm -hmm. uh, China. Um, I've been, God has taken me to so many, so many uh, places I never would have seen. Uh, and I realized that her, Diane's wheelchair was the first wheelchair I ever touched. Right. And I think what's profound about that is I believe in my heart, don't know you'll find this in the Bible, but I believe it with all my heart that when he brought Diane to that school and realized somebody needed to help her, he looked down and said, that boy, right. that boy right there in 10 years is going to need to know about disability. And my son has been in a wheelchair his entire life. And I have been touching wheelchairs and delivering wheelchairs and fitting people in wheelchairs all wow. over the world. And uh, Diane was my first touch uh, on a wheelchair as early as the age of 17. And I think that's, uh, that is certainly profound for me and more evidence that he doesn't miss a trick. He doesn't miss any opportunities. He, one of the blessings of growing older, and for those in your audience who are a bit older, maybe like I am, uh, one of those blessings is to be able to look back and see what God was doing the entire time. Hmm. Uh, sometimes when we're in the middle of the forest, if people out there are listening to you because they're suffering right now and they can't see, they can't see what the purpose is, keep your faith. Hang on to your faith. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that God is not going to bring you more than you can endure. And when I first read that as a new Christian, I, I thought, oh, no, Lord, that's that's not the deal I want. I don't want to. You, you mean you're going to take me to my level of endurance and leave me there? <laughs> and And that's but when we are faithful in the toughest times. What 1 Corinthians 10.13 is telling us, when you maintain your faith and even strengthen your faith in the toughest times, that that is what lights the fuse to Romans 8.28, that all things will work together for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Those two scriptures, are, in my mind, are so inextricably linked together. And all of God's promises are good for all of God's people all the time. And so if we keep our faith in the tough times, he guarantees us, Romans 8, 28. I believe that my life is the testimony to that short phrase. Uh, and uh, it has been an extraordinary pathway that I wouldn't have missed for anything, Lauren. Mm. Wow, Doug, I, th this is the, the second time that I've heard it, heard that story and it, th and listeners, uh, perhaps you can understand why that stopped me in my tracks. So I, I'm so grateful for your willingness to continue to tell your story, Doug, because 
as as the Lord told me in the height of suffering and continues to share during difficult times, don't waste your suffering. This is not just for you. It's never just for you, is it, Doug? Never. That's right. It's hard to it that that's it's it's hard to grasp in the middle of pain, but it is a promise of the Lord. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. The only scripture that I would add to that is one from 2 Corinthians 4. What's interesting about the chapter in 2 Corinthians 4 is Paul begins with the same phrase he ends with. He includes it in the beginning as well as the end of the chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is very temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. From my perspective, Doug, you went from playing the finite game of life to playing the infinite game of life. Mm-hmm. And yes. the ramifications of that are still even yet to be seen. That's a powerful thought, Lauren. Very powerful. Yes. And he's continuing to use your story and the ripple effect continues, as is the case, the case with Johnny Erickson Tadas, as is the case with you, listener today, whatever it is that you're going through, the first step of surrender, and there's a podcast entitled The Thrill, Embrace the Thrill of Surrender. If you haven't listened to that one, check that one out if you're having a hard time letting go of the suffering and allowing Jesus to transform it to an ultimate good that will far outweigh the momentary discomfort, pain, not knowing, wanting things to turn out a certain way, not getting the outcome you desired, to physical pain, acute pain, um, setback, physical disability in your life. And as I mentioned in the intro to don't waste your suffering, it could be a, um, a mental belief about yourself that you keep replaying, and it sabotages the fullness of the person that God's created you to be. So come back, listener, come back to the one who is the lover of your soul, the great physician who's able to transform whatever it is that you're going through today for an ultimate good. As we see, and and that's the purpose of this series, don't waste your suffering. Testimony is the best way to see it firsthand and to mix your story in. Perhaps Doug said something today that triggered you into something in your own life and giving you the courage wow, if you could let that go, perhaps I can let this go and see what God's going to do with that. So allow the Holy Spirit in to wherever you're at to be able to do his mighty work as we just witnessed um, in Doug's story. Doug, before we jumped on, we were talking, uh, kind of laughing back and forth about how you identify with Peter. Can you just, before we close, give a couple of thoughts about that? Well, yes, Peter. Uh, well, Peter was always in trouble. First of all, so I can, <laughs> can relate to that. Was, yep, that high D personality. 
<laughs> and yeah, I forget what we were laughing about. You're going to have to help me on. This oh yeah, time. absolutely. So so here here's Peter, and we can appreciate that as well. You know, he's a he's a type D I task driven, oh, people driven. I, re I remember what it was. Entrepreneur. You know? I, was, I, I was relating to him as a businessman. I mean, he had a yes. If if you read between the lines, I mean, they had multiple boats. He and his family. They he had a he had a going concern here i mean it was he he walked away from uh, a legacy that his father the father's business you know he was a a nepo baby a nepotism baby in the yeah. fishing business and uh, gave it all up for jesus and i can uh, i can relate to him and i'm sure he i'm sure he agrees with me it was the best decision he ever made absolutely it's the gift that keeps on giving that yeah. surrender and knowing that God doesn't waste anything, that, that no. trust, belief, trust, and surrender, belief, trust, and surrender. Um, God will take care of it. Well, Doug, uh, words can't express how, how grateful I am for your, for your testimony. Um, it was a test and God brought about a greater good than had it not even occurred. And that's, that's what our God does. He brings about a greater good than had the suffering not even occurred. That's the rose and the thorns, the rainbow after the storm. So whatever it is, listener, that you're going through today, I pray that the Holy Spirit would inspire your heart based on the testimony that Doug just shared with us today. The two scriptures from 1 Corinthians 10, 13 and Romans 8, 28 are linked. Memorize them. God will not allow anything to happen that he won't give you the grace to endure. And when you trust in him and surrender to him, trusting that he will bring about our greater good, then all things work together as we trust in him by faith, by faith, by faith. Doug, would you mind closing us in prayer today? And then, and then we'll get on with earth school and, and, and keep making God recognizable out there. I would, I would be honored to, and thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening. Those that are with us, father, uh, we just ask that uh, the words of our lips today, were all uh, in accordance with your plan for the day. I ask you to bless those that are hearing this podcast, that they would uh, share it, that there would be something that the Lord asked us to say that is meaningful. I ask you to bless Lauren and all of her endeavors and the life she's leading that is so beautifully being expressed through the gospel. And uh, we just commit everything to you. Uh, we realize, Lord, that you're not going to waste any of our suffering. Give us the confidence and the faith and the courage to live through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Doug, so much. And uh, appreciate your witness, too, to the incredible ministry of Johnny and friends. Listeners, give them heaven out there. There's enough of the dark side going on. And we look forward to continuing this podcast and this topic specifically. Don't waste your suffering. If you haven't listened to the intro, Don't Waste Your Suffering intro, check out that one. Check also Embrace the Thrill of Surrender, and then you can look forward to another testimony uh, coming up soon with us. God bless you today. Look forward to talking to you next time.